0: Hello and welcome to Minified, a bi-weekly rundown of technology news that piqued my interest. I am your host Richard, and I am looking forward to this episode. In this episode, we will talk about the updates coming to Developer Console in Chrome 94, about the data-fetching library SWR and its 1.0 version, and about React Native's many-platform vision. Stay tuned! Developer console gets some cool new features and some deprecations are also announced, so let's take a look at the list of changes we get in Chrome Canary 94. It's finally time to fly out of your nest, because the list of simulated screen devices is broadened with the addition of Google's own Nest Hub and Nest Hub Max. We talked about origin trials on the podcast before, and Chrome's developers console now lets us view the origin trials of a website. For those of you who are not sure what these are, they are basically a formal way of accessing new and experimental features. I guess it was just a matter of time before Chrome added this to the console since they started pushing the idea of origin trials. Nevertheless, a pretty practical addition. We also get a new container badge in the Elements tab of the console, right where we inspect the markup of a website. Clicking the badge will let us toggle the display of an overlay of the chosen container and all its querying descendants on the page. CSS at container is still pretty much experimental. A quick search on can I use will reveal the Chrome is the only browser that supports it and even there you have to experimentally enable the feature. But it's still a pretty cool proposal and a great feature for the console if you intend on working with it. In the previous version of the console Malformed cookies caused by incorrectly setting the set cookie header were not shown. But now, if this is the case, you will get a record of this in the issues in the network panel. Heads up! The sidebar for filtering the console output by error types is deprecated and it will be removed in future versions of Chrome. The filter will instead be moved to the toolbar of the console. And if you don't like this, well, it might not be too late for you because you can still officially bitch about it in the issue tracker. The developer console now uses native HTML tooltips. Shockingly for me, they used their custom tooltips up until now, which is an HTML and CSS equivalent of shooting yourself in the leg with a machine gun. You can now shift-click to change the color format in the computed tab, and there are a bunch of bug fixes to error stack traces for inline scripts, and consistent displaying of native accessors to various JavaScript things. There is also a new checkbox for inverting the network filters you have already set, which is a tiny quality of life improvement for debugging network, and the console now supports more than 80 languages. Awesome! SWR, a React Hooks library for data fetching from the team behind the popular Next.js framework, announces a 1.0 release. Boy, and what a release it is! So, let's get down to the juicy details. Focusing on the performance of a package is a no-brainer in today's JavaScript world, and SWR made sure that this big release is very small. Sporting a slim 39 kilobytes GZIP, Its score is 41% smaller from its previous iterations, boasts an improved tree shaking, and it now supports path imports as well. We get a new fallback option for the SWR config that you can use to provide any prefetch data as the initial value for any of your SWR hooks. I can see myself using this for easily creating testing mockups, while it can also be used for SSG and SSR. There is now a helper that disables automatic revalidations for resources you know are immutable. Using the useSWR immutable hook instead of the regular one will make the marked resource never revalidate on tab focus or network recovery. We also get a brand new provider API that will let us specify a custom cache provider. This can be utilized in many ways, for example, you can use this for testing to reset the SWR cache between test cases, if you specify an empty cache provider, or you can use it to have a local storage based persistent cache. There are a couple more notable updates, like the addition of useSWR config that returns all the global configurations, and middlewares are also introduced. These can be injected right into our SWR hooks, and they let us build reusable abstractions to use inside of them. The SWR team vows to keep improving the library while maintaining the stability. They also plan to embrace future React versions, so it looks like SWR isn't going anywhere, and that sounds great. React Native has teased their plans for adopting more platforms in their roadmap for the second half of 2021 that we have discussed in the previous episode of Minified, and we got much more information on this last week. The Facebook team points to the fact that React Native was initially designed for the development of mobile apps only, but has evolved far beyond that, even though I still think that industry-wise, developing native smartphone apps is still the main usage for React Native. The team argues that by focusing on multiple platforms and building towards their constraints, they can actually use the expertise gained in this process to naturally help developing for other platforms. For example, Android devices are typically more memory-constrained than other platforms, and so React Native has always had a view flattening mechanism to optimize rendering on Android. Fast forward a couple of lessons learned, and when implementing the new React Native cross-platform renderer, rewriting the view flattening so that other platforms can use it as well resulted in better performance on iOS. The other point that they raise is about something called institutional knowledge. It sounds like something out of Shawshank Redemption but it's actually a pretty simple concept and one that I agree with wholeheartedly. If you develop mobile apps with separate teams for Android and iOS, no matter how hard you try, the teams will naturally be siloed from each other. And each of these groups has their own domain and institutional knowledge that the other team loses. By having the whole team develop with the same tools for all of the platforms, you instead get to a very nice place for knowledge sharing. I come from a background of developing native apps for iOS and Swift, but in Pseudo Labs we use React Native for all our mobile projects. And although I still see the benefits in developing certain projects natively, we prefer to default to RN, and institutional knowledge is definitely one of the reasons why we do that the team is planning on working more closely with Facebook Reality Labs in order to help bring more virtual reality to React Native. Or rather, more React Native to virtual reality. They have already partnered with Microsoft and Messenger team to improve native desktop video calls that we now use to watch the faces of our friends react in disbelief on just how much we kick their asses in Call of Duty. To sum it all up, React Native is now very different to what it used to be, and I am excited for what the future holds. Alright then, that's it for the 10th episode of Minified. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I am looking forward to seeing you in the next one. Cheers!